The reason why we're here, the reason why we're even sharing today is because we really believe that Jesus is coming soon. We really want Jesus to come soon. And, um, you know, it wasn't always like that in our lives. And I think a lot of you can agree that it wasn't always like that in your life. How many of you, maybe before the summer or some great event in your life where you were, your eyes were open, could actually say that you would wake up thinking like, man, I just really want Jesus to come soon. Most of the time you don't think about that. Most of the time it's like, okay, what am I going to wear? How can I get this really good grade? What can I, you know, life was just very different. How many of you did youth rush this summer? Okay, several of you guys. So, you know, I did youth rush in 2006. That was my first summer. And prior to that, I had grown up in a Seventh-day Adventist home. My sisters are actually sitting back there. If you just want to wave, my, my two sisters. There's three of us girls. And we grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist home. Charmy and I were actually born in Berrien Springs, where my dad was um, studying to become a pastor. And, you know, I always say when I share up front that I grew up in a very Seventh-day Adventist home. How many of you guys grew up in the Adventist culture? Okay. So you kind of know what it's like, you know, going to Sabbath school, memorizing your memory verses. And because we were in a pastor's family, we had a little bit of a unique uh, experience. Thankfully, my parents really never made us feel like we had to be different because we were pastor's kids. And that's a been, that was a big blessing. But we did have a different experience because of the things we'd see our dad do. And I always remember... You know, we would see him baptizing people. We would see him leading out in communion service. And they always tell us these stories about ourselves when we were little, such as when we were in the pool, you know, everyone would be like sliding down the slides and just having a great time under that mushroom thing where all the water comes down. And, you know, there we would be. And, uh, you know, my older sister would be baptizing me and she'd say, I I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we'd be baptizing each other. She always takes pride in the fact that she was the first person to baptize me. And so we would do that in the bathtub. You know, we just see our dad do stuff like that. We were on our way once when we lived in Michigan. We were going to Chicago, and our parents looked behind behind them in the back seat. And uh, we were handing each other Doritos and saying, eat, this is my body, and, and soda, and we were saying, drink, this is my blood, you know, I mean, when we were little, this, that's all we knew, we'd go up there as a family, and we'd sing uh, scripture songs, my dad would uh, compose songs for us that we, um, that we had to memorize, and we just grew up in that type of influence, and it was a, a blessing to grow up in that type of home, but I think no matter what upbringing you have, no matter what your background was, maybe some of you didn't grow up that way, there comes a point when you really need to decide for yourself whether you believe that Jesus is real and whether Jesus is coming soon or not. Mm-hmm. Whether you think the Bible is just a book of stories or it's actually real and relevant for your life today. Mm-hmm. And that's a journey that God takes you on. So if some of you feel like right now maybe you're not really sure, it's okay. Tell God that and he'll take you on that journey. That journey began for me when I was 15 and I was asked to go preach I was invited to preach in Ethiopia as a 15-year-old, preaching an evangelistic series. And for the first time in my life, as I was preaching, I was realizing that the things I was preaching were actually true. Because in order to preach, you know, you have to kind of understand and read through. And they had all the sermons there for you. But I would be going through each thing and realizing, wow, the Bible can be trusted. And as I preached and I shared, there became... Uh, more of a trust in God that, you know what, this is actually something I can believe in. A few months after that, I went canvassing. 
Uh, it just so happened that on that Ethiopia mission trip, all the people I was with were canvassers. And you know what canvassers do. They canvass you on canvassing. And so I ended up going that summer. And I remember as we were listening to the worships, Taj Paklov was my leader that summer. And as he would break down the word of God, he, he would just bring me to tears. The Holy Spirit would bring me to tears as I realized that I was really loved by God. You know, I grew up in a broken home um, at a certain point in my life. And there were things that happened when I was a teenager that caused me to need God. If there are circumstances in your life today that you think are a little bit unfair, praise God for that because that's probably what's going to push you to be closer to God. It's when we don't sense our need of God or when everything is okay in our lives, we just don't feel like we need him. But because of those things that had happened in my life, I, I needed, I felt a need for Jesus. And I remember there during the summer, I couldn't wait to, to read my Bible. I would set my alarm for 4.30 in the morning. I don't know how I got through that whole summer doing that. But I would set my alarm, and at 4.30, I would wake all the other girls up, probably. Um, in my room, I was one of those students, so sorry about that to all my canvassing friends back then. But I would wake up at 4.30, and it was like I, I didn't even think twice about staying in bed. It was this need of, like, I need to read the Bible or I'm not going to make it through my day, <laughs> you know. And canvassers can um, attest to that. But I remember I would jump out of bed, I'd take a shower, and I couldn't wait to open my Bible and just read the words that God had for me. And because of that, when I would go out into the field and when I would talk to people, there was a burden on my heart that didn't come from myself. Mm -hmm. That desire to spend time with God didn't come from me. I mean, those things are not natural to human beings. It was the Holy Spirit working on my heart and drawing my heart out to love God. As I would listen to the worships, as we'd spend time in prayer, there was something that began to move in my heart to want to serve. This is what I really believe is going to make the difference in our world today, in our generation. I know this just seems like a random seminar that you came to to listen to, but I just want to tell you that I believe it's possible to spread the gospel in our generation and see Jesus come again. And just like Carlton Bird was saying, if we do something, that can happen. But it's not by us conjuring up this like, Lord, help me to be spiritual. Help me to just love people. Help me to love the Bible and trust you. It's, it comes from a relationship. It comes from something outside of you that you don't have of yourself. You know, after you've done the summer program or for any of you, um, any spiritual experience that you've had, there is a reason why all of a sudden you can't help but share Jesus with people. You want to pass out glow, you know, you want to give Bible studies, you know, and it's just kind of weird actually, because like anyone else that looks at you, maybe before they knew you before the summer and now they see you now and they're just like, what happened? You know, why can't you just stop talking about God? And, and that is the, the seed that the Holy Spirit plants in our heart. And that's what's going to make the difference. And so I wanted to read you a couple quotes and share with you um, about the life of one of my friends. Mm -hmm. And um, here we go. Desire of Ages. Notice Jesus's example. As a man, he supplicated the throne of God until his humanity was charged with a heavenly current that should connect humanity with divinity. Mm -hmm. Through continual communion, he received life from God that he might impart life to the world. Mm -hmm. His experience is to be ours. Mm -hmm. 
So that experience that Jesus had, you know, Jesus is a human being. How many of you grew up thinking this? I, I grew up thinking like, well, Jesus was God, you know, yeah. like he had, he had like advantages and that's why he could do this. But the thing is, is that Jesus was a human being. He was a hundred percent a human being that had no advantage that we don't have. And he felt his need to be connected with God because he knew that he couldn't just go out there without being connected and having that experience with his father. And so he would pray and pray and pray until he had that connection. And that experience is to be ours. Amid the hurrying throng and the strain of life's intense activities, the soul that is thus refreshed will be surrounded with an atmosphere of light and peace. The life will breathe out fragrance and will reveal a divine power that will reach men's hearts. And we're talking about power here at iShare. Mm -hmm. This power that reaches men's hearts comes from our personal connection with God. Mm -hmm. I really want to encourage any of you that may be struggling. I mean, some of you just came out of the summer, so you're just like on the spiritual high, and you're like, I'm, I'm just going to like preach the word, and I'm never going to have a dry moment in my life. And the truth is, is you will have, have a dry moment in your life as time goes on, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. The truth is, is that when we are connected with God, he gives us the, the power to impart truth to people. And you might not always feel that. And you might even be sitting here sensing that my spiritual connection needs to be stronger. I need to have more of a desire or I need to even you know, know how to continue on this. I remember one of the hardest things after the summer was continuing with my devotional life. That was very difficult because when you're, when you're stressed, you know, especially if you're anything like me, I was at Monterey Bay Academy and I was involved in sports. I was involved in leadership. I was involved in music. I played in the band. I had so many things going on and I wanted to get good grades because, you know, I'm Asian. And so <laughs> I, I, you know, I had so much going on and it's hard. Things will get in your way. But I am just here to tell you that by God's grace, you, you can stay faithful to God. Yes. One of the biggest things from this seminar that we want you to leave with is the importance of staying connected. And, and unless we're spending time with our minds completely being washed by the word, washed by spiritual things, the rest of the world will start having such a strong influence on us. And I know that some of you know what I'm talking about. There's this drag and this pull. And when we spend time in God's word, it's like we're, the Bible even says, the washing of water by the word. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to influence us and to remind us what truth really is. There's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of lies out there about what's going to bring you happiness, what is going to make you successful, what is going to be ultimately the best for you. But when we spend time reading the Bible and praying, we are reminded again what really matters in life. I remember in high school, because I had to be at band practice at 7 a.m., I don't know why they did that, but I had to be at band practice at 7 a.m., I, I could not go without my time with God. I just could not. And so my sister, my older sister, is actually my roommate, um, she was a senior and I was a junior, and I would go to sleep at 8.30. And I know that seems like crazy to a lot of people and maybe impossible, but you have to do what works for you. 
But I would try to sleep between 8.30 and 9. And she was really nice because she would sit outside our dorm room and, like, make everyone be quiet. She'd be like, my sister's sleeping. You know, and they're like, what? It's 8.30. But I would go to sleep at 8.30, and I would wake up at 4, 4.30 in the morning because I just needed quiet time. I needed time to be able to spend an actual time, you know, not just like quick 15 minutes. And I've done that too. And But then after a while, you're just like, I need something more. But I would spend time with God, and then I would do my homework that morning. And I remember my spiritual life was able to continue to grow. I was able to continue to give Bible studies. I started leaning out in prayer groups. And it was only because I just tried to stay connected in the morning. So that's what I want to really encourage you guys If you want to see Jesus come soon, if you want Jesus to use you in this life and and for him to come in this generation, the most important thing is to stay connected to God. Don't let anything get in the way of spending that time with God. And maybe you're in a position where it's just so hard right now. It's okay. Spend time in the evening. Spend time, you know, at lunch break. Make time for Jesus so that he can influence your mind with spiritual things. One person, and it's black and white, on here it's in color. One person that really has shown to us, has been an example to us, of someone who lived out a life of service because of her connection with God was our friend Vera. You've heard a lot about her in the last 24 hours, and this is what she looks like. Beautiful young woman. She was 36 years old when she died three weeks ago. And Vera Ankova was a very special person. She, um, <laughs> every time you, you saw her, every time you interacted with Vera, it was like you were the only person in the world. Even my little sister says that, and she only met her a few times. But she would just look at you, and she would listen, and she'd be expressive. It reminded me of that quote Heidi read where it's like, when God comes into your life, like everything changes, the countenance, everything. And she would talk to you and just make you feel so special. Um, You know, I remember uh, writing down a list of people who, when I would leave their presence, made me want to be more like Jesus. And I remember Vera was one of those people. She, um, just to help you know a little bit more about her, um, was the type of person that um, would sacrifice a lot for, for the kingdom. And she for about seven and a half years at one point when she lived in Arizona. She was an ICU nurse, and she would work three days a week. And at one point, she started reading in the spirit of prophecy some quotes about literature evangelism. So she was really into health and medical missionary work. And she started reading these quotes that thousands, soon thousands will be converted in one day, most of whom will trace their first convictions back to the reading of our publications. And she didn't know what to do. Her, her brother was a canvasser, but she was not. And she thought, man, you know, what do, I, what do I do? How can I put this into practice? And so what she did was she started just getting literature, and she just started going door to door. She didn't know what she was doing. She would go door to door, knock on the doors, give them to people. I don't know what she would say. She finally asked for a canvas and started saying the canvas. And then she started telling her friends about it. And eventually what happened was that she would work for three days. And for seven and a half years, she did this. She would work for three days, and the rest of the four days, she would take people out to go knock on doors and sell literature and give away literature. And then on the, on Sabbath, she would train church members. And it was like, you know, she wasn't, she had so much of that free time, but she used it to work for God. You know, she, um, 
She didn't do anything really out of, out of the ordinary that we couldn't do. But she had such a strong connection with God that it inspired her to share her faith. That, it was inborn inside of her. One day she, uh, just a, you know, not very long ago, she lived in Michigan most recently. She lived with this couple and she worked nights. And so she would have to commute like an hour and a half. This is what she was doing right before she died. Um, she had to commute an hour and a half to work. And so she would leave in the evening so that she could get there by 7 p.m., work all night. And sometimes she wouldn't come home until 2 p.m. And the people she was living with would say, where did you go? When are you going to sleep? Because she would get home at 2 and then she would only sleep for a few hours and then she'd leave again to go to work. And she would say, you know, I had Bible studies that I had to do in that area, some Bible study context. So I couldn't leave without giving those Bible studies. And then I thought I could come and just get a few hours of sleep and then I need to head back. You know, that, that type of commitment and sacrifice that she had is so inspiring. You know, the key to total member involvement is to allow Jesus to radically transform your heart from the inside out. To stop trying to be something you're not. To stop trying and then feeling bad that you're not. <laughs> or stop trying to, to conjure up something inside of you that, that, that makes you want to do service or make you, makes you want to love God. But it's coming to God and saying, Lord, this is who I am. I need you to change me. I need you to come into my heart because I am so weak. I don't even have a desire to do your work or to read the word. But you know, God will give you that desire. I remember my senior year, I was struggling. You know, my junior year after canvassing, I was like all strong, right? You know, I was junior class president, and I really wanted to influence my, um, my junior class for God. My senior year rolled along, and I was just kind of, I was struggling, I was trying to struggle a little bit my, my senior year. And, um, you know, I just, I went through a whole bunch of things, and I stopped having devotions, and, you know, I started listening to the music that I had listened to before, um, just hanging out with other people that weren't as good of an influence on me. And I felt myself slipping, and I didn't like it, and I saw it, and I was like, ugh, I'm back to my old insecurities, I'm back to my old, you know, just unrest, and I don't like my life, and finally, it was at the end of my senior year, where I said, Lord, I am tired of being far away from you. I'm just tired of it. It's tiring to not have peace. It's tiring to feel guilty, because I know I should be working for you and telling people about you. I'm tired of it, but Lord, if you give me a desire to read your word tomorrow morning, I'll come back. And I, I just didn't have it in me, but I just said, give me the desire. And the next morning I woke up and I just couldn't wait to read the Bible. Amen. You know, God will answer that prayer. That, the answer to that prayer is always yes. yes. It's always yes. And sometimes it won't happen just like that, like it did for me. But keep pressing and the answer is always yes. God will give you the actual desire to spend time with him and be close to him. Mm-hmm. couple more quotes here. The last message of mercy is a revelation of what? His character of love. There to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. I had a little bit of a quote there. There is nothing that Christ desires so much. If you're wondering what Jesus wants today, this is it. There's nothing that Christ desires so much as agents who will represent to the world his spirit and character. There is nothing that the world needs so much as the manifestation through humanity of the Savior's love. That's the need that the world has is to see Jesus in human form in us. 
I don't know about you, but I struggle representing his character sometimes, don't you? I struggle to have his spirit sometimes. I struggle with selfishness and with wanting my way and, and being, you know, just, just not a kind person sometimes or just thinking about myself. But this is what God wants for us is to reflect him and he promises to do that in us. He says he will take the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh to cause you to walk in his statutes and to keep his judgments and do them. It's all him that he does in us. And our question to you as we just end this last part and take a break is how many of you, you might not feel it right now, but in your mind you know, I want an experience with God that's real, that causes me to reflect him to the world. How many of you want that? That's what I want too. And know that God can and will give that to you. So let's have a word of prayer to close this off, and then we'll go into a break. Father in heaven, Lord, we see so much of ourselves, and we see so much of our need, that great need of revival of true godliness in our hearts. The revival that causes us to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. To really value souls. To see people not for their education or social status or their race, what they look like, or anything, Lord. But to see them as a soul for whom you died. Lord, we recognize that that is not natural to us. And so we're here asking you, Please come into our hearts. Give us a revived experience that will cause us to spread the gospel by our actions and by our words. We love you so much, and we thank you for being with us and for the promise that you will change our hearts. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Father in heaven, uh, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together and to brainstorm and share and think about how we can continue living a lifestyle of ministry when we leave. And I just pray that your spirit would be here and that we would leave with tangible resources and tools in our hands. Thank you so much, Lord, in your name. Amen. So for those that weren't here in the first session, we talked about how the, the greatest need of our church is to have a personal experience with God. A revival experience that causes us to want to go and share the truth and share God's love with other people. We talked about how that cannot be conjured up on our own, but that it's a gift that God gives to us. It's something that we seek and we pray for, but it's God, God's uh, to give. It's his gift to us as we continue to seek for that revival experience. And I will say that there's so much more that we could have said on that first session. Um, if you haven't been to the prayer room... You can go to the prayer room, which is just down the hall. I think it's 103. And they have a book called Daring to Ask for More. How many of you have read at least parts of that book or read it? It's an incredible book. And I know that sometimes, like, if you're not really into prayer, you'll be like, I don't want to read a boring prayer book. This is not a boring prayer book. This is a powerful book. Yeah, right here. Thanks. Is it Ethan? Yeah. Ethan. Okay. Ethan got that. That's what it looks like. And it has powerful testimonies and resources um, just wanted to share that with you. I really hope that you guys can grab one before you go. And there are other little books there. But it's one of those books that you don't want to put down because the, the stories are very captivating. Um, but we want to encourage you to, to read that and to get other resources that are out there that talk about revival in our spiritual lives. Because Ellen White says that it's our greatest need 
is revival. In this second session, um, we're going to be having some people share with us what they do throughout the year uh, to give you some ideas, uh, or, or they're also going to share testimonies of other people, um, to give you some ideas of what you can do after I share, after you leave. Um, you know, I personally, when I was done, I, I told a little bit of this to you, when I was done with Youth Rush, I really wanted to continue to stay involved during the year. Uh, one idea, and I'm just going to start going into it, and then I'm going to invite some of my friends up. One thing that I did that really helped was every morning, and I went to a boarding academy, so if you're in a college or a university or a boarding academy, this is something that you can do. I decided to start a small prayer group in the morning in the cafeteria for just five to seven minutes because people are busy. And people are, you know, they're getting ready to go. But I knew people were at the cafeteria in the morning to get a little bit of breakfast. Some people actually go eat breakfast in the morning um, at, at Academy. And so I remember I, I wanted to do something where I could uh, help keep myself accountable. When you are involved in, in evangelism and ministry and people know that you are, it actually helps keep you accountable to living a, a Christian life because people know you now as someone that wants to live out your Christianity. Um, actually, I'll, I'll share with you a quote from um, Acts of the Apostles. It's not on here, but write it down. It's really powerful. Acts of the Apostles, page 105, says that strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. That's a quote. That's Acts of the Apostles, page 105. Strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. And in context, she was talking about how the um, God's people were spread out um, to, to share the gospel. And then they came to a time of complacency because they forgot that strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. And so my number one thing I want to tell you is whenever you leave from here, be involved somehow. Be involved in something where people know you as, you know, this is a Christian girl that wants to share the love of God because it'll help keep you accountable. It'll help keep you from maybe dabbling into things that you know you shouldn't. It helps just keep some of that accountability. So I would start a prayer group, and the way that I did that was I just started with word of mouth, sharing with my friends who I knew would want to come. And I would tell them, you know, a couple times a week in the morning, we're going to have a prayer time in the cafeteria from 7 to 7.07. <laughs> so just five minutes, five to seven minutes. And I would go in there, and sometimes it was two or three people, and sometimes there was 15 of us. And I would go in there in the morning, and of course I had to drag myself out of bed. Um, and especially during the time I was struggling spiritually, that helped me to get out, um, out of bed. And uh, so I would get out of bed, and I would go to the cafeteria, and I would just Make an announcement to the cafeteria. And those of you who have just done canvassing, this is going to be a little bit easier for you now that you've done canvassing. And those of you that are maybe still a little bit timid and shy, um, it's actually not, not uh, too of, a, of an embarrassing experience. You know, um, I would just go up there and I would say, okay, well, we're having a prayer time um, right now, just for five minutes, anyone that wants to come. And, and people would, you know, bring their food over and we'd all kneel down right in a central location and we would just pray for the day. And I would lead out. And I would say, we're just doing short prayers, and we just want to pray that God would bless our day, bless our studies, and that we would really be, stay connected with him. And there were so many people that said that was such a blessing to them in, in that academy, and it was something that also helped me kind of um, stay strong in that area. 
Another thing that you can do, and of course I am talking right now, we'll share a little bit more for maybe a, a little different demographic, but right now I'm, I'm kind of sharing from more of a student perspective. When I was in high school after canvassing, I made sure to stay really involved in church. And so I went to the pastor and I told him, is there any way I can be involved? Sometimes, you know, it, it kind of feels weird because you want maybe someone to come up to you and you don't want to put yourself out there. But you'll be surprised at the opportunities that are out there if you just go and talk to your chaplain and talk to your pastor. And eventually, I don't know how I ended up doing this, but I was in charge of putting the whole church service together. So I had to go and ask everyone to do the different things. Will you do special music? Will you do the prayer? Will you do that? And, um, and that was a really great way for me to continue to stay involved. So talk to your pastor, talk to your chaplain, um, someone in a leadership position, maybe it's your youth pastor, maybe whatever it is, and say, you know, these are some things that I like to do. I just came back from canvassing, or I, even if you didn't, how can I be involved? I also gave Bible studies to people. This might seem intimidating to some people to give a Bible study. And my goal, and one of my goals in life, is to help take away the edge of fear when people think of giving a Bible study. Because it's actually not that hard. And I know you're thinking, well, you know, it's just it's easier for you to say you were a Bible worker. But I gave Bible studies even before I went to Bible college when I was in high school. And so if I saw someone that was spiritually interested and started talking to them, I would say, do you want to wake up in the morning and have devotions with me? Or I would say, hey, when's a good time for you in the afternoon when we can maybe go through a Bible study guide together? And believe it or not, there were several different young people who I never thought would be interested, but just by that invitation were, were interested. And so I'm just going to give you a little tidbit about giving Bible studies. Do you guys want to know the easy way to give Bible studies? Okay, there's an, and there's an easy way that's not, you know, it's not this big, huge thing. Of course, if you're a Bible worker, if you go to Bible college, if you're trained, you're going to have a lot, of, a lot more training than this. But this is something that everyone can do. This is a little bit of a crash course on giving Bible studies, okay? So the number one thing you want to do, and again, this is not the only way to do it, but this is one way, is get a hold of Bible study guides, okay? So whatever Bible study guides they are, you can get them at the ABC. You can go online. You can ask your canvassing leaders. You can ask some of your pastor, how can I get a hold of Bible study guides? There are um, Amazing Facts Bible study guides. There are the Ty Gibson ones that we had out here at the iShare booth. Um, there are several different types of, many different types of Bible study guides. So what you want to do is you want to take that Bible study guide, and first, the first thing you do is you want to read through it yourself. So just read through it all the way through. Kind of familiarize yourself with it so you know kind of what point is leading to the next. Certain Bible study guides that you have will just be like, you know, verses with blank lines, verse, blank line, and stuff like that. Those are all right to use, and I'll, I'll tell you how to use those. But if you can find a Bible study guide that has some words in it too that's helping to lead the person through, then that's, that will be more helpful in this case. If you've never given a Bible study or if you're scared to. So read through the study yourself. Fill in the blanks, because many times there are blanks. So fill it in as if you're doing it on your own. And this is something you can do. Um, this is a little advanced, but it's not too much. Think of maybe one story that would help illustrate that whole Bible study. So maybe it's a, an experience that you had. Maybe it's uh, a, a story that you've heard that would help illustrate that point. If that is too much, you don't have to do that part. But it kind of helps. That's what helps bring a Bible study to life. 
is when you share a story or an illustration, okay? So just choose one. If you're ambitious, you can choose a few. And then go to the very end of the, the guide. Go to the very end of the guide and ask yourself, what appeal should I make to this person? Now, I'm not talking about a four-point close and, you know, calling them to a decision to stand up and come to the front, right? This is a question that you can ask. Um, and a lot of times, a good question, a good way to start off that closing question is, what, what would keep you from... Okay, what would keep you from dot, dot, dot? So that's one way to say it. You can also say, and for example, what would keep you from inviting Jesus into your heart today? Is there anything that would keep you from inviting Jesus into your heart today? You, you, they can tell you, or you can say, you don't have to tell me. You can write it down. You can think about it in your mind. But I want to encourage you to give that to God. You know, something that's very simple. What would keep you from? Another way you could close that study is by saying, is it your desire to, or do you want to, do you want to give your life to God? Do you want to believe that the Bible was written for you and it's relevant in your life? Now, don't get intimidated by all these words. You can make up whatever you want, or you can just leave the whole close out, and at, and at the end of the study, just say, let's pray. <laughs> or at the end of the study, say, so what'd you get from that? And, and you'll be surprised by what the Holy Spirit will say. I'm telling you, that if you are 15 or if you're 90, you can give a Bible study. If you're 12, you can give a Bible study. It's a matter of having that guide. And, you know, we, we need to take advantage of the resources that we have in the Adventist church. And we have lots of them. So just grab one of those guides. Go through it yourself. And then as the person is sitting there with you, just let them know. So we're just going to go through this. And if you have any questions, let me know. So go through it with them, and you'll, you'll be surprised at the questions or the comments that they'll make. Any questions about that? Does that seem pretty clear? So just a little tidbit on giving a Bible study. Shama. What if they do have a question that I don't know? That's a good question. And you know what? That is actually one of the reasons why a lot of people don't want to give a Bible study, because they think, oh, my goodness, someone is going to ask me a question that I don't know how to answer. I'll share with you a tiny little experience from that. Um, Shama's boyfriend, AJ, actually was a Bible worker in 2000, this is a 2011 or 12, and he was teaching his church members how to give Bible studies. And as he was, he was trying to help them have courage about giving Bible studies, and so he started to set them up with his Bible study contacts. He said, you're going to come with me to the people I've been studying with, and I'm going to pass it off to you. So he took this lady, her name was Bonnie, and he took her with him to the door and uh, they went inside, they studied with Bonnie, and Bonnie, her late husband, was a pastor. He had passed away, and, uh, but she knew a lot about the Bible because she was married to a pastor. And so they finished the study, AJ and Bonnie left the house, and as they were leaving, Bonnie said, AJ, this lady is going to eat me for lunch if I give Bible studies to her. She was like, you know, she knows more about the Bible. Like, I, I don't know, you know, she was afraid. But you know what AJ told her? He said, don't worry, Bonnie. You've been an Adventist for 70 years. This lady was 70 years old, never given a Bible study. He said, you've been an Adventist for 70 years. You know more than her. <laughs> You'll be fine. And the truth is, is that Bonnie decided to go and give Bible studies to this lady, even though she was afraid of maybe what questions might come up. And of course, he told her that if there was a question that she didn't know, all she had to say was, that's a good question. We should study that out. Or that's a good question. Let me say that a little more and get back to you next time. We don't have to be afraid of questions people might ask us. 
as long as we're open to doing God's will, he'll, he'll lead us. And so what ended up happening is that that lady got baptized. Bonnie studied with her all the way through. The way I heard about this testimony is I visited Bonnie's church. And as I was there, I saw her going into the little room with all the Bible study guides lined up. You know, you guys have those church offices. And she was like grabbing one on the Antichrist or something. And she's like, this one's going to be a heavy one. You know, and she was about to give a Bible study on that. And I thought, oh my goodness, how many of us are okay with doing that? But she had gotten the courage as she started giving the study. She began enjoying it more and having more confidence. And so if there's something that you don't know, it's okay. Just let them know that you can study it more later. And God will use you as you give those studies to people. And a lot of times people will really open up. So that's something you can do in your community, like in your, in your school, your university, or even if you're done with school, if you're older, in the workplace. And of course, there are a lot of resources on how to give Bible studies. That was just a really quick segment there. But I uh, just wanted to make it really practical. Um, I want to invite Kyle up right now. And uh, this is uh, Kyle. He works for the North American Division. Um, with ASI, and he was a pastor actually here in Mentone. How many Mentonites are out there? Okay, great. So we have people from Mentone that are here. He was a pastor there for several years before he got called to go to the division, and he's just going to share with us a, an experience, a testimony um, that will be practical on how, what we can do when we leave iShare to continue being involved in ministry. Okay, thank you, Renella. So glad you all are here. Okay, so I have a question. I only have a couple minutes, so I'm going to make this quick. Question. How many of you guys have preached a sermon? Raise your hand. If you preached a sermon, raise, raise a high. Okay, amen. Amen. Quite a few of you. How many of you, guys, how many of you guys would like to preach a sermon, but you haven't yet? Raise your hand. Okay, amen. Amen. How many of you guys don't want to ever preach a sermon? Raise your hand. It's okay. You can be honest. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm going to tell you honestly that I was in the third camp. I really did not want to preach. In fact, um, I was actually scared of going up front. Still am. Sometimes I get, I get these butterflies. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody? I'm going to get a witness. Okay. Um, but seriously, when I was in, and I don't have much time, but I'm just, I'm just sharing with you something from my heart that I believe that really all of us even the ones that raise your hand on the third group, God can use all of you, if you have a willing heart, even to preach. Amen? Okay, so when I was in high school, very quick testimony, I had a, a pastor that came, and he, he challenged some of us. He said, I believe that some of you young people can preach evangelistic messages. And, I, and we, we thought, what? This guy's crazy. Like, you know, we, we've never preached a sermon, much less an evangelistic sermon. And so... Uh, long story short, he ended up working with the chaplain and he convinced him that we needed to do an evangelistic series. And so he picked, I don't know, three, four, five of us to be involved in preaching an evangelistic series. I was a junior in high school. Any juniors in high school out there? Or roughly thereabout? Okay, all right. And I, I, like I said, I had never preached a sermon before. And guess how we picked our sermon topic? Guess how we picked our sermon topic? He put the top, the titles in a hat or in a bucket. We picked it out of the bucket. Guess which topic Kyle picked? It wasn't, it wasn't like salvation. It wasn't heaven. It wasn't, um, it wasn't even the second coming. 
or something like that. It was Revelation 13 and the Mark of the Beast. <laughs> and none of my family is Advent. Well, my mom was. Most of my family is not Adventist. So anyway, long story short, I had to study for this sermon, and I think it was probably the worst sermon ever preached in the history of evangelism. But my family came, and they, they were very gracious and said, oh, good job, Kyle. You know, I'm sure it was. But I will tell you, the reason I share that is because that experience began to plant a seed in my heart. And uh, even though it was probably the worst sermon ever preached, it did something in me. Because when we step out and we start to share, God does something in us, right? Amen. It, it, it makes the truth come alive in our own hearts in a way that it hasn't, hadn't before. I'll just, I'll just continue on to tell you that that was not the first experience. God gave me other opportunities in the years that followed to help um, with evangelism, not only on the preaching side, but on the behind the scenes side. And that began to really develop my love for God's work and ultimately led to why I'm, I decided to go into ministry full time. Uh, have any of you heard of what's called Share Him? Okay, used to be called Share Him. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's when you go overseas and you preach a full message, a full series of evangelistic meetings. Um, and, and literally, like I had never, like I said, I had preached a few sermons. But by this point, I'm moving forward in time to uh, college now. And I had preached a few sermons here and there, but not much. And I got an opportunity to go to Mexico. And I said, man, I, can't, I don't know if I can do, um, what was it, 18, 19 messages. I mean, I've preached maybe one, two, three sermons, and now I've got to do 19 sermons in a row. And it's just, when you think about it, it's very intimidating. But I will tell you guys that though I didn't want to go, I'm so glad that I went. Because by the end of that experience, the truth that we have as Seventh-day Adventists became so real to me as I studied for those messages. And again, they were probably really bad. They probably, I don't know. I mean, the, the delivery was probably bad, everything. But somehow I got through it and three people made decisions for baptism. I still remember it in my mind seeing an old man and a, and a, and a young girl come forward when I made my appeal. And it just, it, it touched my heart to see that even me, stammering and floundering as I was through these messages, somehow God could use me to, for someone to make a decision for him. I have had the privilege of taking other people on mission trips since that time, many other people, and seen them, young people as young as 15 years old, preach a full evangelistic series. Renella, you did that in Ethiopia when you were 15, and it changed your life. So my little snippet here that I'm sharing for this total member involvement piece I want to challenge each and every one of you to pray that God would give you the opportunity not only to preach a sermon, but to preach an entire evangelistic series. Okay? What do you say? All right, now I'm not joking here because God, you can do it. I'm serious, guys. You may not think yourselves as preachers, but you would be amazed at what God can do through just having a willing heart. So, there's plenty of opportunities to do that, whether it be through Share Him or other opportunities. And it may not be that you'll get to preach an evangelistic series right away. God may give you an opportunity to share your testimony in your local church. But I want to challenge you guys to pray that God would open a door for you to speak for Him. And, and you know, you may not feel like you're a good speaker, and that's okay. 
Because guess what? God, the Bible says when we are, what does that verse say? I'm, my mind is blanking, you see. But it says when we are weak. Right. Basically, go ahead, June. Yes. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. And so the point is, guys, the weaker you and more helpless you know yourself to be, the stronger you will be as you cast your burdens on the Lord and you ask him to use his power to flow through you to reach other people. So how many of you want to preach now? Okay, everybody's hands. Okay. God can use you. I challenge you by God's grace to pray that God will open up a door for you to share. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.